Bitcoin. Good morning, Bitcoiners. This is your market update for September 19th, 2017. Okay, all the excitement from the Chinese situation has died down, even though there is continuing to come out more and more news out of China. They just cannot shake this this price rally here. And people have become immune to this Chinese FUD, and that's awesome. I'm super proud of Bitcoin in this moment because um, now it's come out that the people are saying that uh, IPs of or uh, DNS uh, of certain websites out there in Bitcoin like Bitstamp, Bitfinex, local Bitcoins, they're going to be blocked as well in China. Uh, and there's going to be a pretty big lockdown. That's the rumors now again out of China that there's going to be a big lockdown on Bitcoin and the price does not care. We're still over 4,000 this morning and look to be going up. Um, it looks really strong right now. So, um, yeah, proud of Bitcoin, proud of the, I'm proud of the noobs that have already learned. Maybe they're, maybe they're wrecked and they're out and all, it's all the strong hands now holding Bitcoin. So you see during all of these periods of FUD, you have the weakest hands selling and consolidating into stronger hands. And so the price gets more and more resilient and more and more stable. That's how we're going to get more and more stable in the future. But first we got to go up a whole lot before we have a, a long period of stability uh, about that real fast. Um, I've, I've, there's been occasion in the last week to bring this up several times with different people that I've talked to that the price of Bitcoin is constantly going to go up. You know, monetary theory out there right now is that as you, uh, as productivity grows, you should grow the money supply with productivity. That way, prices will stay relatively stable. That's the theory. Okay, um, so if productivity rises rises 3%, you should increase the money supply by 3% every year, right? That's the monetarist uh, understanding. That's why they have these inflation targets, right? We have inflation targets of 2% because they think that means the economy is growing about 2 two or 3%. And... What's interesting about Bitcoin, though, is that Bitcoin is a strictly limited supply. So as the economy grows, so let's say we are in a post-hyper Bitcoinization. Bitcoin is, is pervasive throughout the world. It's a, it's a reserve. As the world economy grows, then the price of Bitcoin has to go up. Because the supply will not be growing, but there will be the it'll be the same amount of money chasing more goods. So the price has to go up. I hope that the purchasing power has to go up. I hope that makes sense. And so I can see a time where you know Bitcoin is going up three, four, five percent a year consistently. I mean, it's going to be a million dollars, say, but it's still going to go up three or four percent a year, forever. And how does that affect the risk-free rate, you know, buying bonds at 3 4%? Governments won't be able to have a bond because people uh, that low of interest rate because people will um, just hold Bitcoin. Negative interest rates will be a thing of the past because who would buy a bond when you can just buy Bitcoin and hold it and make 5% a year? You know, so um, very, very interesting times. The, the argument there kind of uh, against that being exciting is uh, or against Bitcoin in that situation would be that 
people won't take risks. People won't get out there in the market and they'll just keep holding Bitcoin and the price will keep going up and, you know, the, the economy will grind to a halt because uh, everybody's holding Bitcoin. But it's a self-correcting mechanism. So if productivity doesn't grow that year or shrinks, then the value of your Bitcoin holdings will also shrink. So if productivity goes down by 5%, then the value of Bitcoin that year roughly will go down by 5%. That's making sense, I think. So... Um, it's, it's very interesting to think about this post hyper Bitcoinization, uh, the soundest money that we've ever had in the history of the planet is about to be unleashed. All right. Um, so let's take a look at the prices after that. Sorry for that little early tangent on the show. Let's check out prices. Bitstamp is at 4014, a little bit of a dip last night, but, uh, if you zoom out, I'm going to go out to the four hour. Pinch down a little bit. So if you take a trend line from uh, the peak on September 8th and the peak on September 12th, and you draw a trend line down, we broke that trend line up, uh, but then we came down, tested that uh, resistance, and now we're going back up. It just looks very bullish. Another thing that looks very bullish to me is the price of futures is the, the spread is disappearing. And you guys, if you listen to my show, you know I really watch this spread. To me, is a sign of like um, a very important turning signal in the market. And so if you're kind of waiting on this rally, you, you don't know. It might go back down to 3,000. I've seen some charts out there about people talking, going back down and testing 3,000 again. Um, as soon as this crosses, as soon as this futures price goes to a premium, uh, we're smooth sailing north, guys. I'm, I'm really excited about this. Um, this is my favorite cross. It's even better to me than the um, like the moving average crosses. This is a live price cross. So very, very bullish here, in my opinion, as soon as that does cross. Again, somebody asked me by the end of the year what we're going to see. I still think five to 6,000. I don't think it's going to get too crazy uh, in the next few months. Maybe it will, but I think 5,000 is a conservative projection for the next month. And then maybe six... Uh, six seven thousand by march of next year who's who knows but bitcoin is going to continue going up it's just super strong it's becoming a fixture on everybody's news feed right with zero hedge covering it uh bloomberg covering it everybody out there is covering it and that's <laughs> there was a ton of headlines with this crash and this chinese fud and this crash down to three thousand a 40 percent correction okay um and now what if we cover that back all the way in two weeks? I mean, it's pretty amazing to think about. It's going to turn a lot of heads and people are going to have more and more confidence. People that are buying in are going to be like, look at all these big price movements. Um, let's not trade margin. Hopefully they say that. Hopefully they're like, let's just hold, right? Because holders um, are much stronger hands than traders. Difficulty. Because that's a big story. We just had a difficulty retarget um, two days ago or one day ago, maybe. And it jumped up 19.6%. 20% increase in hash rate. And now it's, well, it's dropping a little bit now. Let's see. what's it? It's still estimated to be another 6% increase. Even, even after this 20% increase, 
we're still on target for another 6% right now. That will probably decline. And there's also some issue I have here with um, uh, BCH. Let's take a look at that because um, after this difficulty adjustment up, Bitcoin actually became less profitable to mine by about 1%, maybe 2%. Okay, and the hash rate on BCH jumped up. Let me go to that hash rate. So the hash rate of Bcash jumped from about 8% of the total uh, up to as high as 30% of the total just in the last day, but now it's back down to about 17%. Um, but what's amazing is that the hash rate of uh, Bcash is increasing and the hash rate of Bitcoin is increasing by 20%. So the, the hash rate of Bcash is doubling and the hash rate of Bitcoin is going up 20%. I mean, there's so much hash rate coming onto Bitcoin right now. That's just extremely, extremely bullish, in my opinion. Um, the retarget for Bcash, though, is set for about a day from now, and it's going to go up 50%. So the, the, the profitability to mine that is going to drop drastically here in the next day. Bitcoin, I mean... The having or the the retargets are coming a little bit quicker because so much hash rate is coming onto the network right now. It's only a week out from when it's supposed to be changing again. Let's see. This says about one one of my sources says thirteen days and one says eight days. So that's a pretty big uh, difference there. And at six percent increase, it's probably going to be closer to that thirteen day mark, maybe twelve days out from now. But yeah, uh, difficulty is going up drastically we've had japan saying they're going to put 100 million dollars worth into mining and fabricating new chips russia has said they're going to get into the game um, a lot of these people are looking at mining and it's almost in my opinion it's like a national defense type thing right like the united states has gone to war for oil to protect its petrodollar for how many decades uh, and its business interests it's gone to war for all these for the national interests is, is uh, includes business interests. Um, that's going to be the same with these these miners. People are going to mine for the national security of their country, of their economy. I think that's very fascinating to think about because who would have thought three, four years ago we would say that Bitcoin mining is being considered national security at this point. I mean, it's it's incredible how fast this has moved, and this the the movement on uh, the nation state front here, because I've been saying for a long time they are coming for Bitcoin, they are coming for Bitcoin. Now we have this opening salvo from the Chinese, but everybody's coming for Bitcoin. I think we've just seen the initial, the initial rounds here. We're going to see a lot more regulation and a lot more laws from around the world. Um, hopefully, we see several that are getting friendlier to Bitcoin. I, I want to take a minute here also to talk about um, this misconception out there because a lot of people are blaming libertarians for um, welcoming this regulation. Okay, well, saying, oh, the regulating ICOs is a good thing. Lots of people have been saying this. And people have been blamed, saying that this doesn't look good on libertarians because uh, they're supposed to be anti-regulation and stuff. Uh, but now they're cheering this regulation um, on ICOs. I don't think anybody's cheering this regulation. I, I, have you guys heard people, other than obviously Tone Vazen and Thomas Hunt and stuff, um, has anybody heard people cheering this regulation? I haven't. I've heard one source 
cheeriness. And maybe some of these like mainstream financial people on Bloomberg and stuff cheering this. But not the libertarians. I have not heard that. My my vision here is that I knew that these people were coming for Bitcoin. And when they do come, I'm not cheering that they're coming. I'm I'm saying, hey, I was right. And you people, I you know, I can say, ha ha, ICOs, ha ha, Ethereum. I was right that these people are coming for you. And that's why decentralization is very important and why you can't have uh, your centralized service selling an illegal security. Not that I want it to be illegal, but that that is the way of the world, right? When I walk outside, I say it's going to rain tomorrow. I predict that it's going to rain tomorrow. And I walk outside and it's raining and chilly. I can say, yes, I was right. doesn't mean that I like it being rainy and cold outside. But I, yes, the, that's the weather. You can't change it. So that, that's my opinion. Um, it validates people's vision of the world that these regulators are coming and that they will do arbitrary laws to protect themselves. And we see that exact thing that's happening over there in China. Bitcoin. Okay, let's get back to the market here. So let's check out local Bitcoin's volume. Oh man, so the Chinese local Bitcoin's volume in China spiked huge up to uh, 70,000 yuan, or sorry, 70 million yuan roughly from uh, 34, 32 million yuan up to 70 million yuan. So it, it more than doubled 75 million. The, this is not a record high. We've had a couple weeks higher than this during the exchange uh, withdrawal shutdown. We had all the way up to 100 million yuan on local Bitcoins. So I expect this to continue to rise. Um, there's some fear there that, again, China is going to be banning these uh, websites. But they, they can't ban Bitcoin. If you want to be involved with Bitcoin, you can be involved with Bitcoin. Look at Open Dime. Take a look at Open, Open Dime. They're, they're huge uh, for this exact type of use. Um, hardware wallets, peer-to-peer, -peer, that's what makes it so great. One of the my favorite quotes from uh, Brave the World, that's Julia Taransky's um, YouTube channel. She says that black markets and stuff, are, they're like uh, rats behind walls. They're always present. They're always working. So if you try to ban Bitcoin, you're going to have these rats behind the walls still doing bitcoin you cannot stop it it's a healthy network that benefits the people that are involved and so they're going to do it but yeah the chinese uh local bitcoin's volume is huge this week the total volume the global volume on uh, local bitcoins is spiking dramatically up to an all-time high so in the last seven days 71 million dollars worth of bitcoin transacted on local bitcoins let's take a look at paxful because they are a competitor, and they are growing leaps and bounds right now as well. And, okay, let's take a look. They're in order of magnitude less, but they are still at an all-time high of $10.6 million worth of Bitcoin transacted. So the OTC market, the peer-to-peer -peer OTC market in Bitcoin is exploding right now. Um, definitely at all-time highs. Let's take a look at BitSquare. I haven't... Um, traded with BitSquare. I've I've heard a couple people, or I know a couple people that have done it, and they they liked it. Uh, BitSquare's volume is is not at all time highs. It's another order of magnitude less than Paxful, but hopefully they can get up to a million dollars in volume. Um, this is a little bit different now. Paxful and local Bitcoins are websites that you go to, so it's kind of like a centralized service in a way that 
matches orders. This uh, BitSquare, now called BISC, they are a client you download and you match your own orders on your own software. And then you work out a way to pay for this Bitcoin or altcoins or whatever you're, you're buying. So very interesting. Uh, if you're an ICO person or you're an altcoin person, you're going to be going to BISC because they allow all these altcoins to be sold. Where I don't know about Paxful, but local Bitcoins is Bitcoin only. Let's talk about the traditional markets before I get into a requested item here. Um, DXY, um, we have we have some sideways action. If you zoom out on this daily, it does look like a bear flag. Um, I think we are. I mean, it's a bear flag or it's or it's a bottom. Um, one of the things I also like to look at is USD CNH, and that's had a huge run here over the last little while, but uh, possibly could turn around here. It's not going to go up straight but uh, it has started to recover that was falling off a cliff uh, and they the chinese came out with some announcement uh towards the bottom there that that turned turned this around so uh the the yuan is recovering and i think the yuan usd yuan pair is what's pushing a lot of these other ones here let's take a look at the euro dollar my internet sucks right now uh, looks like we could be forming a mini little head and shoulders here at the top and uh it is going up again right now today, 119.6. That, I mean, we could break out north. I, I, I'm very, I'm much more bullish the euro than I am the dollar, obviously. So um, I think that's that's possible. We could turn around or we could form a head and shoulders and come down here down to like 115 or so. But the general trend to me is still unbroken. Um, could have a little bit of a downside here uh, in the next week or so. All these things, nothing goes up in a straight line or down in a straight line. You always have these big bumps along the way. Uh, but the general trend is, you know, the, the dollar is being replaced in a lot of the, the trade that it commanded for so long. And it, it makes sense that as these people start to unwind their dollar reserves around the world, um, that the dollar is just going to decrease in value. So that makes sense. So the biggest story about the dollar that I'm watching this week is obviously the Fed meeting i don't think they're going to be raising rates but they should be talking about their balance sheet whether they're going to start uh pulling back on their balance sheet you know um, um decreasing their balance sheet now in the past year or so we've seen every time they lower rates um or sorry every time they increase rates the dollar has uh, sells off uh, which is contrary to what you would think but that's because um the only game in town is QE, and if you're pulling back on QE, if you're pulling, you're raising interest rates. You're gonna, the idea is you're gonna hurt your economy, and so the economy is going to fall, or the the stock market is gonna fall, and your dollar, your currency is gonna fall. So um, we'll see what happens with that today. Uh, S and P is at all time highs right now. Uh, I was wrong on that, but um, you know, it's eventually gonna turn around because there's nothing backing up this hollow economy. Okay, let's go into this. I got a request to cover this BIS story. Uh, I saw it from Tour de Meester, then a bunch of people have been covering it now. Um, I'm going to say some of my opinions here. Uh, so I linked to it in the show notes. 
and I put uh, the immediately what I did was I did control F and I searched for drugs, dark market, illicit and black market. And there's obviously no mentions of those things. There was one mention of criminal activity though, um, which I'll get to. When, when I see things like this, I always ask myself, who controls the code first off? Is it centralized? Is it open source? Uh, can I have permissionless innovation on this platform? Um, next thing I ask myself is, can I use it to buy heroin in the U.S., AKs in Central Africa, or Bibles in North Korea? And if the answer is no to those things, then it's not censorship resistant. Okay. But let's let's get into this. Um, okay, so their use of DLT, distributed ledger technology, man. Whenever you see DLT, it's cringeworthy because it means nothing. It's a distributed database. It's blockchain without the blocks. Uh, Bitcoin is successful. The, the, this the idea that they're pushing here is that Bitcoin is successful because the tech is so great, not because of the economics. They cannot make themselves. Um, agree with the economics of Bitcoin that it's successful because it doesn't have a centralized authority figure because it doesn't have somebody that can set, uh, censor your transactions because you own your money because it's a strictly limited supply. They cannot say that those things are what make Bitcoin great. See, Bitcoin uses a blockchain to give you those other things. It doesn't use a blockchain because it's efficient. Blockchains are inefficient, but let's get into this uh, actual, I'm going to read a few little lines here. So they have some really colorful charts, which people like. They think, oh, you must be right. Your charts are really colorful. <laughs> Anyways, so, okay, at the, the bottom of their first few introductory paragraphs, uh, it says this. Moreover, the taxonomy distinguishes between two possible forms of central bank cryptocurrency, CBCC, a widely available consumer-facing payment instrument targeted at retail transactions and a restricted access digital settlement token for wholesale payment applications. So that's what they do. They look at these two possible forms of this uh, central bank cryptocurrency, the retail or the wholesale. Those are what they break it down into. This statement alone shows their bias towards medium of exchange. They think that medium of exchange is what makes money money. The function of the primary function of money is as a medium of exchange, but it's not. Okay. The primary function of money is store of value. And how do I know that? I mean, I don't, I don't hear anybody else talking about this, but the reason why I know that is because in a medium of exchange, what are you exchanging? You're exchanging value. And so that value exists prior to the exchange. There is a store of value in that money prior to it being used as a medium of exchange. It must have value first. So store of value comes first. And if you give up a little store of value for a little bit of medium of exchange, you end up losing both. It's the same as that saying about uh, security and freedom. Okay. So, all right. This, that statement shows that they're stuck on that idea of medium of exchange. Then they have a couple different like boxes. They break out into different definitions. In this box A, they talk, they try to explain what DLT is um, and how it's different than distributed databases. They, they say that uh, DLT is the greater 
set and a, a blockchain is a, a smaller set of DLT and of course then Bitcoin is just a smaller set of blockchain so Bitcoin is just this little tiny thing over here in the corner but we're worried about this greater technology behind Bitcoin which is total BS reading this explanation just makes me think they're four years behind everybody else honestly they're four years behind and if this is how like regulators are looking at this I mean, you'd have to think a little bit how this is going to uh, be represented in regulation, but they're four years behind. And what I think it's funny in box A, let's take a, if you guys have this pulled up, it's probably a lot easier, but okay. In box A, they talk about how um, the idea of a distributed ledger, uh, a common record of activity that is shared across multiple, multiple computers in different locations is not new. Such ledgers are used by organizations, for example, uh, supermarket chains. They have branches or offices across a given country or across countries. However, in a traditional distributed database, a systems administrator typically performs the key functions that are necessary to maintain consistency across the multiple copies of the ledger. The simplest way to do this is for the system administrator to maintain a master copy of the ledger, which is periodically updated and shared with all network participants. Okay, so having that in mind, let's go down two paragraphs and read this. Um, uh, a blockchain version of DLT, the blockchain version of DLT uh, has successfully powered Bitcoin for several years. However, the system is not without drawbacks. It is costly to operate and uh, blah, 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 blah. There are... Uh, there's only probabilistic finality of settlement, and all transactions are public. These features are not suitable for many financial market applications. Current wholesale DLT payment applications have therefore abandoned the standard blockchain technology in favor of protocols that modify the consensus process in order to allow enhanced confidentiality and scalability. Examples of protocols currently being tested are Corda and Hyperledger. Corda replaces blockchain with a notary architecture. The notary design utilizes a trusted authority and allows consensus to be reached on an individual transaction basis rather than in blocks with limited information sharing. So notary trusted authority right and what how does that differ from their two paragraphs above when they're talking about distributed databases uh having a system administrator that notary is the system administrator it's exactly like they totally undermine their own definitions here they have no idea what they're freaking talking about it's the exact same damn thing there's a central authority involved the reason why supermarkets and people that use distributed databases the reason why they don't use dlt is because dlt sucks it's a dumbass idea. It's fucking inefficient. That's why they don't use it. Sure, they, they've probably thought of it and tried it out, similar approaches when they were design, designing their systems. But it's dumb. And now they're trying to revive this for banks. I mean, how can they be so stupid? It's because they don't, they don't see that blockchains enable these economic things these great economic things. It's not a technical advance all on its own. All right, I went into that quite a bit. Let's, uh, they have some cool looking Venn diagrams. They, they actually make sense. They're categories that they use here for their Venn diagrams. They have, um, what are they using? They use, uh, they break it down by issuer. If it's, if it's a central bank or other, uh, the form, is it electronic or physical, accessibility, universal, limited, and transfer mechanism, whether it's centralized or decentralized. Uh, so that that those characteristics make sense. Uh, but I think where, they're, where they 
trip up here is you start talking about FedCoin for retail and uh, so FedCoin for retail and then what do they call it for CAD coin uh, that's the central bank cryptocurrency wholesale and they have these listed in their Venn diagram now they call uh, this central bank this this Fed coin they call it universally accessible it's not universally universally accessible it can't be used on darknet can the central bank cryptocurrency be made anonymous no can it be used on dark markets no can it be used to finance terrorism no can it be used to get bibles into north korea no so it's not universally accessible for sure it's also not peer to peer because they talk multiple places in here about a centralized authority and there's no stinking efficiency of a centralized authority in a cryptocurrency over what we have today. What we have today uh, is more efficient than using DLT with a centralized authority. Now, I just have a few things I wanted to point out here about what they say about anonymity. Um, counterparty anonymity seems less controversial than third-party anonymity. So counterparty uh, is like in the transaction, your person that you're transacting with, your peer, is unknown to you. But third-party anonymity means that the central issuer doesn't know who's using the coin. So they're saying that this counterparty one in a transaction is less controversial than the bank not knowing who you are. Um, many observers have argued that third-party anonymity in payments should not be allowed because it facilitates criminal activity, such as tax evasion, terrorist financing, or money laundering. So th they are sensitive to this, and they know that it's coming, or they, they, they want to try to come up with something that allows them to still have control without giving you too much control, but to trick you into thinking, oh, this is a cryptocurrency, when it's not. Okay, the very last thing I have uh, here regarding this is the last paragraph in their anonymity section. I'm just going to read it real quick. While it may look odd for a central bank to issue a cryptocurrency that provides anonymity, this is precisely what it does with physical currency, i.e. cash. Perhaps a key difference is that with the retail uh, central bank cryptocurrency, the provision of anonymity becomes a conscious decision. It is worth recalling that the anonymity properties of cash are likely to have emerged out of convenience or historical happenstance rather than intent. This is wrong. This is wrong, people. It didn't come from historical ha happenstance. There's laws that enforce the fungibility of cash. Because if you discriminate, if you were able to discriminate or forced to discriminate against uh, bills that were used in illegal transactions, then you wouldn't have freely floating money. The, the economy wouldn't function properly. So there are laws that enforce the fungibility. I think they're old way back, but they're, they're old. They're hundreds of years old enforcing this fungibility of cash because that's the only way to make it work. And for the BIS to not know this and to directly say something wrong in here makes me kind of question whether they really know what's going on at all. But like I say, they're four years behind. They're hundreds of years behind in this respect. Anyway, okay. That's all I have on that. Is You guys can read this on your own. It just is typical. They're years behind. It's better. They're getting better. Like if you've been reading these things from banks, comments from banks, then papers, and now we're getting some real high uh, important people like the Bank of International Settlements talking about this, having a paper out. Um, 
it's it's moving along but again they're four years behind they're almost following falling further behind because four years ago they were only two years behind now they're four years behind so uh, we'll see we'll see where this goes bitcoin okay and last thing i want to give a plug to the block digest people i'm going to link to this in my show notes uh chris ellis is like the host of this uh youtube channel and uh Towards the end of the show yesterday, they had a really good discussion on a couple things, and uh, it's it's a very um, it's a it's a show for hardcore Bitcoiners. It's it's not a show for noobs, uh, but they had a very good discussion that I would like to get your guys' opinion on, and and maybe start bringing it up uh, these these com- these topics in the future. Uh, so I'll link to that in the show notes, and it'll go right to the part that I'm talking about. So um, make it easy for you guys. That's it for today. Uh, bullish on the price. Let's take a look at the price before I sign off here. It is just under 4000 kind of come down here in the last little bit. Um, I'm bullish on the price. I think, I mean, we could see a, a small correction. I don't see us drop, dropping, you know, much below, say, 3800 and then uh, right back up. Uh, 5000 is in the cards over the next couple weeks. I can see us getting back there. So we'll see. Waiting on some FUD. Um, resolution of FUD from China. There's, you know, there's still those rumors hanging out there that could be dragging the price, uh, be a drag on the price right now. Uh, let's look at that spread. So the the futures spread is it's getting smaller and smaller. Uh, looking at about fifty dollars now, maybe sixty dollars spread. So, um, at, you know, be watching that when the futures price goes over spot. That's a huge sign for a big move up. We'll see if I'm right. I hope I'm right. Remember, this is not trade. This is not uh, financial advice. You guys have to do your own research. Uh, I'm just kind of trying to fill in some of this, uh, some of these blanks. And also, um, for noobs out there, say you're into crypto for six months and you find the show, I want to help you have a fast learning curve. Hopefully, you do. So, anyways, uh, if you like to support the show, go to Patreon.com/slash/BitcoinAndMarkets. Thank you to all my patrons. You guys are great. Stick with me over the next couple months. We'll, we'll be getting out some more fun things to do with the patrons. Maybe have, you know, patron-only chats and things like that. So um, be looking out for that. All right. Thanks, guys. See you later. Peace. Thanks for listening.